Okay, so if you're in radio, you know this, going back past Herb Tarlick on WKRP in Cincinnati, we know that salespeople have been thought of in a variety of ways that allow those who don't sell to think of them as, quote, having it easy. But uh, look, anyone who has tried to sell, anyone who has faced a fresh budget that they know they got to meet this new standard each month, each quarter, each year, those people, they know that sales is hard. In the best of worlds, a seller is meant to sell. What I mean is they're born to it or they discover that selling is actually their passion. It's just a thing that happens to them and it's like lightning. They know this is kind of like their professional friend. They are a seller. Today's guest has been selling for a significant period of time, has worked for several major broadcast companies from big corporations to an independent. Now, listen, today's guest has a lot of experience in sales that ultimately led multiple companies to give them the title sales manager. Very competitive markets, often complex personalities and constantly changing landscape. If you are in radio sales, you know that this is the topography that you deal with on a weekly basis. We love talking to guests with this kind of extensive experience. In fact, this sounds like exactly the kind of person we'd love to talk to on this podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our goal is always pretty simple. We like to encourage radio pros at all levels. In fact, we think radio pros don't get enough encouragement. That's why we're here. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you already know that we drop a fresh weekly episode every Sunday featuring a radio pro somewhere working in radio right now. So this is not like somebody who used to be in radio, something like that. It's not like that. We're talking about today. To enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others, be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. That sounds totally worthwhile, right? Each week, we have an opportunity for you to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows us, you and me, to totally see radio from different perspectives, a different career arc than maybe ours, and to hear how this person is embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford, like Lloyd's of London, Ford Automobiles. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves RPC. Everybody knows that every single programming consultant focuses on music, talent, coaching, and uh, marketing, except one. The one works on music, talent coaching, and marketing, and we also help local radio clients leverage those improvements into more sales and bigger revenue growth. Matter of fact, that word growth, that's kind of our word at RPC. Even our name means pathway to money, Rainmaker Pathway. When we go to work for a client, they follow our collaborative process and strategy their revenue, and their profit margin rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? You got enough ideas? 
Are your local radio stations programmed in position to collect the most money today in your local radio market? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you. Schedule a meetup by email. It's easy. First consultation is free and highly confidential. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Listen, I've got this to share with you. On this podcast, we launch a quarterly exclusive free radio sales event. Yeah, we're putting our, our mouth where our money is, so to speak, or the other way around. Do you want to help your local radio sellers close more business each quarter? Of course you do. Our Q1 radio sales exclusive event is coming January 11th. And I want to tell you all about it. Calling the Q1 event Digital Profit and You. Chris Fleming, uh, who is a very good sales consultant for media from CD Media Consulting, uh, will be my co-host January 11th. But look, we're also going to bring, bring on the ground experts, including Joe Brown, who is the regional digital sales manager for Cumulus Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And we're going to put some additional experts on our panel, too. By the way, we always bring different experts talking strategy and opportunity. But this time, we're also going to be talking about the largest transfer of wealth in radio history and what you can do about it. So, look, uh, I think you understand it's coming the evening of January 11th. It'll be on demand after that on this podcast, too. And we're going to announce another guest soon at RainmakerPathway.com. Listen, we're, we're probably less than a minute from talking with Mary Ridings. She is the sales manager for Pamel Broadcasting in Beacon, New York. Now, big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which is available in minutes after we finish our live interview. And we share it in social media. We do that because it's often the it's the first way people find out about us. And then they find out, oh, my God, they've got 140 plus episodes that are also free, that are also in their archive, that are also waiting when I subscribe. It's true. Uh, by the way, uh, we want to thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast as well. See what you can get for free from our team. It's as easy as going to our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. There you'll find our Encouraging Sales Success Series and our More Than Live and Local Series. I think you'll find those to be really transformative for you and especially good for young sellers as well and young air personalities. Now, let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. So, Mary, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on here. Um, you know, I'm a little bit intimidated only because, you know, in looking at your career path, you have all the sales experience. And, and I get excited about people who are really experts and can really drill down into things. But we're going to start somewhere totally non-traditional. I want to know where are you from and can you start by sharing with us maybe the first experience you had with radio as a listener? Well, I grew up on Long Island and I did get rid of the accent, um, mostly because I was still in middle school. And when you move up to the Hudson Valley, you know, you want to fit in when you're 14. Um, you know, I, radio has always been something that was going on in my life. Um, mm -hmm. first memory, I was trying to figure this out was probably, yeah. you know, in the kitchen with my mother and grandmother 
And I was trying to figure out like what time that was. And I, I'm pretty sure it was when Vietnam was going on and they were getting ready to come home. And Tony Orlando had that song about tying a yellow ribbon. And oh, yeah. I didn't understand what that was about. And I remember my mother explaining it to me. And I remember when they were coming home, everybody was crying. And I'm like, why is everybody crying? Um, so, I mean, for those history buffs, that was a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but I remember that as a kid. I remember that happening. And I remember that song. And for our listeners who didn't grow up in that era, you can always go to Spotify or something, pull that song up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so listen. What fascinates me about your beginning in the business of sales, or at least as I saw it, it looks to me like you started all those years ago in the newspaper business, newspaper sales. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I would, had actually worked across the street for a forms manufacturer. And okay. they, they would print like invoices, deposit slips for banks. So that's kind of where the print and graphic an artistic mm -hmm. side caught me was right out of high school. Um, yeah. And a friend of mine became the publisher of the weekly paper. I'm sorry, the daily paper. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing to expand their geography is they were coming out with weekly editions in a larger area. And he asked me to head that up. And I did. And that got me into the advertising and how it works on our mindsets and what influences decisions and, it just kind of caught fire from there. You know, it's so interesting. You couldn't pretend to know back then the merge lane that would exist that would put us all in a lot of different businesses inside the radio business that we wouldn't traditionally think of. Listen, in 1992, you went to work for Cumulus selling radio. How mm -hmm. did you find your way to radio? And what did you think of that opportunity at that moment? Well, what had what had started that whole path? was when I was at the newspaper, they wanted to find out what else are our advertisers doing as far as their media. And there probably was a mistake because every single one of my clients was also doing radio. So mm -hmm. that kind of put that little thought in the back of my head. And newspaper was, was really very challenging then because we were an afternoon newspaper. And the big behemoth in the market was a daily paper in the morning and we just yeah. we couldn't compete i mean they had 10 times the circulation so i you could see the light at the end of the tunnel that that was going to not last too much longer and it was the same time in 92 when they deregulated tv and cable so the group that i was going to be working for had a little tiny classified line ad in the paper remember those you know? oh yeah so that it was, it was probably 15 words. So I applied and, you know, the rest was history. It wasn't cumulus then. Um, oh, it, was, it was basically three radio stations because they had just purchased one because of the deregulation. And it was just owned by Rob Dyson, a very, very smart man and was run by Mike Harris and Stan Beinstein. Eventually they created it into Crystal Radio which was sold to Aurora and then Cumulus. Um, uh, so I, I really, consolidating years. I had 25 years at the same address. Just the, the name on the paycheck changed. Oh, um, yeah. We're going to talk about that. Listen, <laughs> listen, 
Early, <laughs> early in your career. No, uh, seriously, you are not a job hopper. You are, it looks to me like you are very purposeful. So, so listen, early in your career, I want to know, did you experience a mentor or somebody who did a really amazing job encouraging you and helping you grow specifically your selling skills? Um, there were several people. Um, and, and I'm a big component of people watching. I love it. And it's not just to to learn the good, but sometimes it's to learn, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, right. You know, and, and obviously I'm a woman. Most of the people I worked with in my superiors were all male. And that's great. We're different by design. So let's embrace that. So there were some things I just could not do. Um, I was always brought up to, you know, children should be seen, not heard. So I was more on the quieter side. That's why I was more methodic in my approach. Um, but, you know, Stan and Mike took a chance on me. They mm -hmm. definitely laughed at some of my antics. But you know what? At the end of the day, and I sell this, say this to my applicants, we have very different people getting the same thing done. And, that's, and that's it. There's no one right way. But we do. There is one end result. And that's what we're all trying to get. But oh, over, the, over the years, I confess, of, I love this kind of conversation. You know, Stu Gorlick and Chuck Bortnick were the ones, um, along with Gary Pizzotti, who said, "You know what? We need you as a manager because I knew the market at that point." Okay, I no, I had no, I don't want you. I don't want you to get ahead of us here because, oh, but yeah, we don't want to get ahead just yet. I want to talk about this idea of enjoying radio sales. Did you find you enjoyed it right away? Did it? immediately speak to you um the first six months were tough because it was an adjustment going mm -hmm. from the print side of life where you relied on graphics so mm -hmm. my challenge was the words and closing my eyes and making the words do all the work but then i bought a thesaurus so that was easy um and just kind of finding those words that stand out um yeah I, it's after that six months, though, in a blink of an eye, it was five years. Interesting. So, I think that's something that you can share with new recruits as well. It's like, look, every it doesn't come to you right away, or maybe it does, but it probably will take a little bit of time to just relax and be, you know, enjoy this part of understanding what can come, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay. you still have to be yourself. That's right. So, so listen, you did... If I'm if I'm reading this right, you did 18 years as a senior sales rep, and then you became local sales manager. Is that right? This must have been an exciting promotion for you. Was that a natural move for you? I don't know if I would use the word natural. Um, there was mm -hmm. a lot of transition going on right about then. They had let go the market manager. Um, leaving us with really no solid leadership but because i was there for so many years and i knew the territory i knew the clients i knew who paid the bills i know who didn't pay the bills um right. and then um chuck bortnick and Stu gorlick came into the market as management but they didn't know the market so mm. it was just a natural thing to say hey why aren't you already a manager and it was just the timing of things. And 
and we we really had a lot of fun regrouping that whole sales team we, we took my active account list and hired four different people so that at that mm-hmm. point just about doubled the sales staff and we kept going from there and bringing in different people from different walks of life you know as long as they had experience with cold calling and were creative mm-hmm. you know we made a home for them all right i love that you say creative that you add that in because i think being creative in sales, being creative in programming, being creative in radio is a big thing that sets us, sets us apart. Now, now look, were you good at recruiting as soon as you crossed the line and became a sales manager, or did that have a ramp up time for you too? Um, I don't know about a ramp up time because I always felt, even when I was a seller, I was mm-hmm. a recruiter because I loved the job. And Passion. it just comes across and people would ask me about my job and I would say to them, look, if you and I use the words, the what if kind of a thinker, not that you have to be a rule breaker, but you're competing against yourself and your best from the day before. And if that's the kind of thing then yeah, I want you on my sales team because I don't want to have to sell against you. So that mm-hmm. was always just part of me. Um, once I got to be a manager, then I had more of a decision um, right. in who was hired. And that was intimidating at first because we're talking about people's future. But, you know, I, I embraced it and, you know, we would do more networking on a different level. And, and recruiting then is very, very different than it recruiting is now. As you know, far that's as how, interesting. How you do it. Yeah, that's my next question for you. I want to know specifically about good sellers. And I know this is a crazy question to ask because how do you tell who's good? How do you tell who's not good? They can get through all the interview process and be not good. Has recruiting good sellers become more difficult across time, Mary? Absolutely. Um, the, the big thing was, you know, the pandemic. It took right. the already trained which we call your senior staff um a lot of them just walked out of the job market they're like you know what i don't need this crazy i can downsize my house we can we can live with one car instead of two i don't need the vacation far away i can go to the shore and they really people i would say of that 45 50 plus age group just walked out of the market and that hurt us because now there are hires are need need more handholding need more training they i don't want to call them needy but they need more and that's okay yes. but when it's a larger percentage than what you're used to mm-hmm. you have to pivot and figure it out and that's it's just like we- these it's just like these college teams that have to reset after they send a bunch of, a bunch of people to the nfl it's like okay, now you're going to have to reset with freshmen and you're good, you know, they don't know the schemes. They don't know how to do it. You have to put all the training in, right? Yeah. And, and that's part of the fun of it. Um, it. It's sometimes you forget because you've been doing it so long. It's like I had said earlier, it's like breathing. We just breathe, mm. but we have to teach them how to, how to breathe, how to, we all take them in the car. I'll drive them up and down the main highway. And we'll look, I have to get them to look at those things differently. And I'll pull right in front of a business. And I was like, okay, there's 10 stores in this strip mall. Which one would you call on first and why? 
And they're like, uh, all of them. I'm like, how about the one that says under new management? Uh, that, nice. So they're starting to see that's a flag that there's a change going on. Maybe they want to tell people about that change. Let's go in. Let's yeah. see what happens. And, and that's that's where, you know, with the newer sellers, we have to change their perspective of how, right. do, how do they view things. You know, hokey, we call it the hokey pokey prospect. You get a, an appointment. And once you either before or after that appointment, you go to the left, you go to the right, you turn yourself around and you call on all the other businesses because you're already there. Right. All right. Now, I'm going to go back in, in our fabulous Wayback Machine. I bet you didn't know we we're going to do a little time travel. Uh, <laughs> 2013, you moved to Town Square Media as a local sales manager. I want to know if that shift from Cumulus to Town Square was a difficult one or an easy one. Um. I don't know if I would even go with difficult or easy. I mean, they okay. bought they bought us from Cumulus, so I didn't right. have to move my desk. I just needed new business cards. Um, the big change there was these guys were very, very serious about digital. And that was a product area that I didn't really know about. Mm -hmm. But just like all things, embrace it. You know, so there, there was a lot of learning. They have great training programs. Um, there's a lot of rereading the training programs because at that point, uh, wasn't a student of the traditional age anymore. Um, so mm. cleaning out the cobwebs, rehearsing, talking to myself, talking to some of my other peers who were going through the same thing about all this digital stuff. You know, it was like getting once, a new car with a lot of technology, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and it, you know, we, we all got through it together. There was like three or four of us who were really semi-struggling with this. We knew we had to do mm. it, but we, like I said, we had to clean out the cobwebs and, and adjust. Um, I wasn't there much too into the town square years. I think by year three, um, I had started looking elsewhere, but it was the idea of, okay, you're in your 40s and you got to learn this. But yeah, and, that, and look, yeah, you figure it out. Mary, Mary, you know that a lot of sellers, boy, they start, you start talking to them about digital and their eyes glaze over and they start looking for the exit door. You know, yeah. uh, did you learn a lot about yourself and, and were you selling differently with Town Square? Yes, I was definitely selling differently because um, I was a selling manager. And that, that mm -hmm. puts you in two worlds of, you know, worrying about your own account list and worrying about everybody else's account lists. Right. But it was a matter of most of my stuff was larger accounts because I had been there for a million years. Sure. And, and they did not want the digital that I was representing because they either had internal departments or separate ad agencies. So it was a matter of poking and finding those little pieces of what they were missing if they weren't, maybe they weren't doing geofencing. Okay, well, why don't you give me a shot at that? And, and those right. kinds of challenges, as well as, you know, when I have a new rep coming on and their account list is going to be a little more of the smaller businesses and helping them mm -hmm. with those tactics. And, and so it really, even though I had to learn it all, I kind of had to learn it from every different aspect, which was good because yes. now it's, it's second nature. You know, uh, every once in a while in an interview that we do with 
one of our guests, we get to take a left turn. It's actually one of my favorite things because you get to see things in a, another totally different perspective. You know, radio and car dealers have had this long, great relationship. I'm going to just state it that way. In 2017, you switched things up. You became a sales and leasing consultant with the Toyota dealership. Now, look, it's different selling to car dealers and then being inside a car dealership. What did you learn in making that switch? And what did you learn about car dealers that you may not have known before? Or did you? What the the big epiphany is, Mm -hmm. was that. And and I can't imagine ever doing this, but so many people will come into a car car dealership with absolutely no intent on buying a car. Oh, I just want to drive the new Camry. My lease isn't up for two years. You can't say no because it's a potential customer. But as a salesperson, so she the way the car dealerships are designed with their sales teams. You, you, you get an up, and an up is your turn in the rotation. You're lucky if you get three ups, chances to talk to a client in a day. And when that happens to you, that takes you know, one third, probably one half of your client touches away for the day. But you have sure. to do it with a smile. But, and it happened all the time. And that was my big epiphany of, yeah, how do we figure that out? You know, that was a time when Toyota was redoing a lot of their models. They did the Corolla, the Camry, the RAV4, and those are their number one, two, and three sellers. So that that was a challenge. Mm-hmm. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, it really takes um, probably three years as you the leases that you sell start to return to really right. hit the ground running financially. And that that was another thing that I was like, hmm. Yes. Ask that question on the interview. <laughs> well, here's a, listen, here's what I wonder about you. You know, when you came out of that, I wonder if you brought some of that experience with you back into media sales. Let's talk about NeverSync Media Group. In December 2017, you became, check it out, station manager. And then in 2018, you became the general manager. Was being a general manager a goal for you for a long time, or did this just happen to you? And I wasn't opposed to it. I wasn't fearful of it. Um, I see. When, I, when I started there in 2017, it was December 27th. So really, it was like three days left of the year. Um, okay. But as as I got in there, um, I knew the owners, Bud and Julie, um, through just being in radio. So we had a, a level of awareness of of each other and you know what we could potentially do. And we had some mutual friends. And yes, because then these conversations just come up and then with the what if. So we were having these what if conversations. And as I got in there, I could see things um that didn't quite make sense and i i would say well why did we do this what's missing here and why isn't this making money and 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 that's kind of where the evolution the general manager came from because he actually gave me one of the nicest compliments that i don't think i've ever been um that i've ever been paid by and that was that i treated 
his money as if it were my own. And oh, that was the thing is that because there was, we had a jazz station and it was an NPR and it wasn't making money. And a lot of it came back to how NPR has to be sold. And mm -hmm. it just didn't line up with everything else that we were doing. So I said, well, can we turn this off? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, can we just turn it off for a little while till we figure out how to do this better? He said, mm -hmm. and that's, that's kind of where we got. And that's, you know, it was that thought process that really helped, you know, bring profitability back and expenses back in line. And of course, I, I, his money is my money. Because if right. I don't spend it right, I'm not going to have a job. Profit is such a big deal. We talk about it with clients all the time. They never expect us to do it. And that conversation comes pretty rapidly. Listen, at NeverSync, you had something like 13 signals. I want to know, how did you balance all the priorities in a job like that? I prayed a lot. Um. <laughs> a lot of prayer. That's great. I mean, each, because, you know, in the Hudson Valley, these mountains are beautiful, but they can wreak havoc on a radio station. So we had yes. a lot of repeaters and translators. So we uh -huh. really had four radio stations, but some of them had five and six repeaters so that people could take the radio station throughout their travels. Oh, that's that creativity we talked about again. Yeah. Well, that, that was all but. Uh, God bless them. <laughs> nice, nice. But, but well, that, listen, was the, I, that was the reason for having so many signals. Well, I want to talk to you about this. What do you think is the most challenging part of the job for both sales managers and market managers today? We're about to go into 2024. What's the thing that comes up as the biggest challenge, you think? Everything. Uh, Everything. Uh, it's really, it's learning to pivot. Uh, you, know, you walk into your day and you think, you know, I'm going to do A, B, C, and D. And you open up your voicemail and you go, oh, well, maybe not today. And it's learning to delegate. I think that's part of it. Yeah, they may not do it exactly the way you do it. But you know what? A B plus and A minus, that's not so bad. When, when mm -hmm. you say well, all these different things that we have to balance, I often feel like that plate spinner in the circus trying to keep them all going. You know, because um, you don't want to break a plate. Do you think delegation is a big part of that? Are you good at delegation? Getting better. Um, I, I think I'm in the middle of the pack on delegating. Okay. You know, okay. I, 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 I'm a trust but verify kind of a girl. Um, oh, that's I, one of my favorites right there. I like to delegate. Um, I think otherwise you're not, your staff is not going to grow. Mm -hmm. And if your staff doesn't grow, they're going to find someplace else to grow. You bet. All right. Listen. After almost six years at NeverSync, you became the sales manager at Pamel Broadcasting in March 2023. This current events. Tell yeah. us about your jobs now. Tell us about the stations. Tell us about your job. What's going on? Um, you know, this time of the year, it's it's wrapping up the year. It's starting another one. It's new ideas. It's, it's constantly evolving, um, selling the products, making sure that everybody um, sticks. Because even, you know, on air, we've been, I was blessed um, when Chuck gave me that call because the on-air staff at these radio stations, K104, the staff has been there forever. 
HUD, the staff has been there forever. Peak, BPM, these guys have, I've worked them in my past, which is great. But I mean, when you have an air staff that's been there 10, 15, 20 plus years, you have a loyal audience. Your audience will do what the DJs tell them to do. Shop here, go here, buy this. Uh, And that makes your on-air life easy as far as advertising. Now, with with Chuck, he and I worked together um, at Cumulus and Aurora 17, 18 years together. So mm-hmm. I mostly know how he processes and prioritizes. So that makes it easier for me to, you know, get what he needs done before he even asks for it. Um, nice. You know, and being the other swing of the pendulum, I worked for corporate radio. Then I worked for very local grassroots radio. This is kind of the sweet spot in the middle. It is. Oh, we nice. don't have to answer to Wall Street, but we've got the big products in the market. And that gives us a strength and, and we're opening doors on the digital side that's growing every day. So that gives us diversity of not having all of our financial eggs in one basket. Yeah. Sure. All right. So here's a quote about you, Mary. Uh, buckle up. Here we go. Quote, <laughs> whenever I have business pending for the Hudson Valley market, I call Mary first. Over the years, she has become a trusted consultant. I know I can count on her for an honest assessment of the marketplace, fair packaging, and most importantly, I am confident that she will deliver. She communicates throughout the process in a timely manner, especially if something doesn't go according to plan, and you know how often that can happen. And on top of great service, she is a delight to deal with. I highly recommend her. Listen, radio is often complex. Things go wrong. They change. How do you encourage your sellers to become flexible, nimble, and always focused on making the experience of your clients great? Several things. I mean, the first thing is like, just watch me. You know, I get several things done in one day. Um, you know, I can't tell them to do something if I'm not willing to do it myself. So I believe that I walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, mm-hmm. I always tell them also, just be honest. I'd rather hear bad news from you than from somebody else. You know, because if it's if I don't know it's broken or breaking or you know, whatever it is, I can't help you fix it. Because we've found that if we have an, a bad experience with a client and we fix it, and we do right by them, we actually strengthen that relationship because they know that we're going to work through it as opposed to someone who, you know, disappears on them. You know, and that happens all too often. Um, mm-hmm. And I always tell them, you know, if you need help, raise your hand. You know, there's the only dumb question is the one that's not asked. You know, don't worry about how I'm going to feel or how I'm going to judge you. Let's just talk it through. Because usually, just like anything in life with relationships, you got to communicate. And if we're not communicating, then then we're not going to grow. Now, and and I've learned over the years, you know, that the right way is not always the easy way. We have to oh, choose yeah. the right way. We have to choose the right way, no matter how much it pains us, no matter how much time it takes, because it's the right way for a reason. That's right. 
listen, we've com- we have uh, kind of hinted at the complexity of radio, of local radio in today's world. And, you know, there are local owners and certainly local managers at local radio today that really struggle with the idea around sales training. You know, everybody doesn't get the luxury of having a few moments before this podcast episode began where you and I got to talk a little bit about millennials. We talked about training sellers. We talked about, you know, refilling that talent pool and how challenging that can be. How important, Mary, is sales training today for younger sellers and for older sellers? It's it's all vital. I mean, this is an industry that's ever changing. Um, six months ago, we didn't really have a lot of focus on artificial intelligence. Now look mm. at it. You know, right. So it, it's always evolving. I mean, one of the trainings that we do every week is, okay, so how do we, how do we use AI this week to make our lives easier? And we, we share those ideas. And it could be, you can ask it to write a script. You can ask it for survey questions. You can ask it for prospects. And it, it's, it's mind-boggling. Uh, but So even on the older seller's side, what we call mature, because we don't like the O word. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 that learning process that you never stop learning. You know, and on the younger side, it's more of an organizational structure type learning because there's just so much going on. I don't try to overwhelm them with everything. It's as it comes up in conversations, let's learn it and embrace it. And is there a particular kind of seller you look for? in an interview process, I know that you and I talked a little bit about, you know, look, you can take people through an entire sales process uh, for the interview process, and they still are different than you thought when you were kicking the tires, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you're dating, first couple of months, you're on your best behavior. Right. You know, and then, then things get comfortable. Um, Usually it's that third, fourth month where you really start to see whether this was your genius or whether you got, you flubbed, but that's okay because we always learn. Um, yes. I, the training is, is key. It's, it's, it's being repetitive because we don't learn everything the first time. And it's just a constant focus on growth. You know, even if you don't hit your goal, did you, did you lessen the gap? Um, did you get more accounts on the air? Did you increase your average sale? All those different metrics to make sure that the needles are moving forward and we're constantly closing that gap. How much new business did you bring on? Did you get to grow your sale with some of your existing clients and now they're buying a digital and doing an email campaign? All those, all those constant focus. So listen, in my best Southern, I'll say, do your senior sellers do they get to uh, use their experience and mentor your younger sellers, or is that just something that you really have to do yourself? No, I I, I want them out my my you know my rookies. I want them mm-hmm. to spend time with our senior sellers. The way the sales floor is designed, um, it it's it's cubicles. But that is, you've got your space, but you could certainly hear. And we've got some sales, I guess we've got salespeople from all different walks of life before they've walked into our door. 
and they all are very different. They all have different motivations. There are different stages in their lives. But at the end of the day, they all come back with orders. And it's learning the different ways that people do things without giving up yourself. And, yes. and, and that's, you know, that's transportable. You could take that anywhere. And do you find that hiring people in other lanes that are sellers doing X, Y, Z make good radio sellers? Or is it just sometimes they do and sometimes they don't? I still get surprised every once in a while. Um, but I look for hunger. I look for someone who is motivate, self-motivated. Um, I've hired people with minimal sales experience uh, because I saw that fire in the belly that we talk about. And yes. if I can, I can curtail that towards revenue, great. I've hired other salespeople who, you know, had the, the dream resume and yeah, not so much. You know, sometimes they feel that sense of entitlement. I'm like, that's great. You can, you, you deserve that, but I can't give it to you. And that's no. that whole learning process of the first couple of months that we all have to embrace. Customer's not going to give you any entitlement either, by the way. So, yeah. yeah. You know, let, let's talk about the future of radio a little bit. This is often our toughest question for people because, look, I always I always give you a skate out, too. So here's the skate out where it makes it okay. Whatever you say is fine. Mm -hmm. No one knows the future. That is the truth. But it doesn't stop me from asking you, what would you like to see local radio become in the future? Um. I think it's where it needs to be. There's been so much in the trades lately about the resurgence of audio um, with podcasts like this and you know people listening longer and how the listening habits changed so much during the pandemic because it really wasn't a morning drive. We were sleeping through it. Um, right. you know, but keep in mind, it, it's always been relevant. I mean, Helen Keller, you know, she, everybody knows who she is. You know, she said mm -hmm. deafness was a farm more worse misfortune than being blind so it's it's always going to be relevant it's just a matter of how we remind people of how relevant how useful and and how versatile and vital it is mary I gotta tell you just being able to spend just this amount of time with you uh especially on a day like today merry christmas by the way uh, oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for being so bendable and nimble and all the things that we celebrate in great sales managers and in great sellers. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and being our guest today. Oh, I want to thank you for thinking of me um, and I wish everybody listening happy and healthy holiday season and profitability in the new year. Now, that is what we all like to hear. Listen, please don't take for granted what we're doing here. Help us by sharing this episode from our website. You can do it directly from RainmakerPathway.com. It's in the free blog section. And of course, uh, you can share it with others who are interested in growing their career in radio and especially radio sales. This is a great episode for that. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed like the 140 plus other episodes in our archive already to encourage radio pros at all levels. I want to thank our very special guest today, Mary Riding. She's the sales manager for Panel Broadcasting in Beacon, New York. And you can just tell why she's so good at what she does. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available moments after the live interview. 
thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. We say this all the time on our podcast, and I say it to clients regularly too. Quote, once you have a radio station, you could get anything else you want, unquote. If you have any question about this philosophy, this quote, man, just reach out to me. I promise you it's my passion to talk all about it and share that uh, with clients, with people who are not clients, people that never become clients. My passion for radio is pretty great, and I think I can prove that that sentence is true. Please remember, if you don't remember anything from this episode, remember, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the radio rally with the encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.